Hey there, bold one. Today on the podcast, I have Abby Tozer. Abby is an actress, a producer, and a filmmaker. She's made several short films, and she's about to make her very first feature film. But the reason I've invited Abby onto the podcast today is because she's also very well-versed in how to network at the AFM. The AFM stands for the American Film Market, but this could also be applied to Cannes, Toronto Film Festival, any film festival, really, that has a market. So she's going to tell you all the do's and don'ts and the very one thing that you should absolutely avoid at all costs. So without much further ado, on to Abby. Abby, welcome to the podcast. So good to have you on today. Thank you. Great to be here. This is the very last episode of Act Bold for 2023. Wow. So, there you go. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Okay. So Abby, let's let's dive into that a little bit. I know you attended AFM twice, once to learn yes. how to participate. So yes. what were your what were your key takeaways from that the first time around? Well, it's really interesting because the first time I went, I didn't know really basically anything about it. And for a lot of people who don't know what it is, American Film Market is like the largest West Coast buyers and sellers acquisitions market for film, not TV. That's MIPCOM. But just for a film, mostly international film that takes place every year, October 31st to November 5th, usually in Santa Monica. And the first year that I went... I went with an EP friend of ours who we met out here in Houston, and she was going specifically Maybe with a project just break that, that she... EP meaning executive producer? Executive producer, okay. yeah. Okay. And, and for those who don't know, and I think I get this a lot from some younger filmmakers, like a producer is not funding your move. A producer right. is helping you find funding, and they're managed, like given them as like a project manager. An executive producer could be funding your movie, but they are also to some degree, project managing. Yeah. And then a financier is just funding your movie and they're not at any point helping to manage the project. So those okay. are like three important distinctions. Yeah, very good. So Thank you. we go to AFM and I have my producing partner, Connor, and we are together A2C is our company. And the first year that we go, we kind of just show up expecting it to be very much like a networking event because it's advertised that way. And keep in mind, like tickets to AFM the cheapest day pass is like $400. Right. So it's not a financially accessible event. But if you play your cards right, it's more of an investment is what Absolutely. I think. Yeah. So it can be worth it. And it's definitely worth it now, to go Can for I just stop days. you there, there for real quick? Are there any barriers to getting into AFM? Can anyone apply as long as they have the money to pay for the ticket? Yes. So anyone can apply to pay for the ticket as long as they want to go. But as I've had a lot of people ask me, if you're an actor who's just straight up an actor, there's no reason for you to go. Mm -hmm. If you are, well, I don't want to say no, but there are really a lot of producers and financiers that I meet there who meet actors get very annoyed because okay. that's not what the market is for. It's a buyers and, and sellers convention. Yeah. It's literally like a commerce convention, which like in the acting world, we don't have commerce conventions. So it's hard to know like what that is. But think about it like it's the same as like a real estate convention. Like that's right. the types of things that are happening there. They're not really creative conversations. They're very geared towards how much money am I going to make? Where's your market? And why do I care? That's really mm -hmm. what it is. So it's just a different world. So if you're an actor, could go. Well, can it's I stop you expensive. there for a sec real quick? But, so yeah. how prepared were you to answer those kind of questions? Like how much money oh. are you going to be able to make me? 
The first year we went, I think that's mainly what happened the first year is we realized how unprepared we were because I just I'd never really I produced a short film and I was like, great. I produced a short film. I did a fundraiser on that short film. It was really fun. We're only just now starting to release any of our projects. We haven't released any of our projects. But yeah, and people would start asking us the, the number one question, which was, what do you have a feature attached to that short? Is it a proof of concept? Like, oh, is it a proof of concept? Can I see your pitch deck? Or like, can I see your projections? Can I see your comparables? I was like, no, because <laughs> I don't know what that is. That was the first so, time around. Yeah, that was the so first So then time you around. spend the next year learning what all that is and getting all that ready for the second time around. Yes. So tell me about that a little bit. What was your preparation like preparing for AFM the following year? Yeah, it's really one of these things where you have to do it once to figure out what you need to do. And you don't, I mean, I didn't know that until I had gone to AFM the first time because I was like, oh, I'll just like go to this thing with our EP and it'll be fun and I'll meet people. And it's very much not like that. It's like, if you prepare for this, it can be something. If you don't prepare for it, it will just be like a fun, slightly intimidating experience is what it is. But yeah, in, in going the first time, I took a lot of mental notes of like people I met, who I liked, what they had that I liked, conversations that I felt like were productive for me, questions that people asked me that I made up answers to that weren't true, that I was then like, I need to figure out what these answers are. So how did you keep yeah. track of all that? You say mental notes, really? Were you just taking mental notes? Were you not like... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't bring a notebook or anything. I didn't know what the environment was like, so I wasn't taking notes, really. But it's actually really interesting. Like while my producing partner were and I were at AFM the first time, we went to a dinner where we like pitched a show to somebody without really knowing that we were pitching a show. And then they followed up with us being like, oh, can you send us the deck? And we were like, oh. So then we like went on YouTube and like figured out how can we make a deck? Luckily enough for me, my producing partner got a degree in graphic design. So he's very good it's at designing stuff. Person. And I think that's part of the reason our social media is so successful is because he really knows how to make stuff different and very aesthetically pleasing, which is super cool. So he started showing me like, oh, this is how I use like Premiere. This is how I use Photoshop and like Canva. And this is what I do. So we started delegating like, OK, we're going to work on this pitch deck, which our first one took us like two months to make probably. Yeah, like two months. And now we make them in like a day. But the first one took like two months. And then we finally got that in. And now we we're in a, a shopping agreement with a production company with that show, which right now, like we're not really active on that. But it's kind of one of those things where we go to all these meetings, we talk to all these people, we always have that kind of in our back pocket, and we have some talent attached to it. Like, oh, we also have this show. So it's like a fun thing that we're shopping. But that was the first thing I got out of AFM. Now, is that was... in the same genre as your feature film? No. Completely different. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's so a documentary. It's a documentary oh, TV wow. show. Yeah. Okay. Like reality. Yeah. Okay. So completely different. Yeah. yeah. Totally different. So yeah, go ahead. Most Sorry, of I our projects it. are different genres, but that was what I got out of the first year's AFM was, I guess, really the notion that you can make deals at AFM with projects that aren't financed, which a lot of people will tell you otherwise, but mm. it's more just, it's much more of a gray area to try to figure out how to do that. And I would say there's no... There's no like formula, but it's possible. Definitely. So possible. how would you approach that? So you get into a conversation with someone and then they they would, I assume, just flat out ask you, is that finance or oh, do you have financing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every conversation you have at AFM 
is it's like not a get to know me circuitous conversation. It's always like you pitch the the project, you tell them the log line, you tell them the budget, and then you tell them if it's finance. Those are the first three things they're going to, they're not even going to ask. They're just going to expect you to say that. And then if you don't say that, they're going to be like, hey, why are you having this meeting if you don't know what you're saying? (laughs) Which, yeah, it's intimidating. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. So you need to be really prepared with those first Mm -hmm. basically five minutes of your pitch with them. You need to, and you need to be really good at like BSing, basically. You need to make it seem like you're even more prepared and that you've done this like 50 times and you're not the young little bright-eyed filmmaker. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Yeah, of course. But so when you say to them, for instance, no, we have no financing at this point, what do you... Oh, I never say that. Okay. Okay. So what are you saying? I will always say I have access to financing, which is not not true. I could have access to financing. I don't know. Sure. If you were introduced (laughs) to I'll say I have access to financing. (laughs) Well, it's that and it's a mixture of you have to like chicken and egg people. Like if you're talking, if you're pitching to a production company who's like way bigger than ours, we're a two person production company. If you're pitching to someone who you'd want to come on as just an EP or like a figurehead and we're talking like. When A24 attaches onto a movie and they don't really produce anything, they just give a filmmaker their name so that the filmmaker can use their name to pitch to investors. This is very common. Got it. Oh, how so clever. Like, okay, I love it. Yeah, I could pitch to a bigger production company who like is just a couple steps up from us. And then I could be like, oh, we, we have access to lots of financiers, but they need a bigger, more established brand to feel more comfortable to invest in. And then they'll be like, okay, well... Like, who do you guys have attached? And then this is, becomes another chicken and egg scenario because when you go talk to talent and cast casting directors and get them attached, talent, first question they're going to ask is, is it financed? And then you're going to say, well, my financiers are interested if you're interested and this production company is interested if you're interested. So you have to like pin it down. It can be any of those three. You could like pin it down to any of those three. And this is just like one yeah. method. But I find that that's at least a way that's pretty common. So you can talk to people about that pretty normally because actors can give you what's called an LOI, a letter of, of intent, which is yeah. not legally binding, but you can get an LOI from their agent or manager if they love the script. And then the LOI could be like conditional LOI. If A24 attaches, Sydney Sweeney will join the project. And if Sydney Sweeney joins the project, we will get 1.5 million from our collective investor pool. And then that's how Got a project it. actually moves forward because you're waiting for the first person to like actually take the jump. But yeah. if you have all three of them think that it's them, then it's much more likely for someone to take it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. how did you tweak your pitches then for different folks at AFM? Uh, that's, it's an interesting one because sometimes you can kind of figure out beforehand and you definitely should be trying to figure out who they are. Are you pitching to the right person at the company? Because don't pitch to like, their, you know, don't pitch their entertainment lawyer. Don't pitch to their buyer because you're not selling anything. You right. want a development person. You want a VP or president of development or acquisitions development person. Like you want so somebody what are you doing then? Just chit chatting and saying, "What do you? Uh, this is what I do. What do you do?" And then if they're not the right person, do you say, "I need to speak to the right person"? Or how are you? Oh no, no, no. So that? you are approaching that. You are you're researching those people like six up to six months in advance i would say okay and the thing that's really frustrating is a lot of those people's information is not widely available so it's kind of a game of figuring out 
who is whose information is available, but knowing which person you want to talk to. And it's kind of like with acting. It's like when you're applying for managers or agents and you're trying to figure out who you should contact and like what level is right for you to contact and that whole game. It's a similar thing because you're trying to find these people's contact information. You're trying to write snappy emails with information that you think will pertain to them. And then in the end, it's just like, and we, we ran into this problem a couple of times. We had people who loved our projects and then they have 30 minutes before they've just signed on to a project that's really similar. So they, mm. they only have a certain number of slots. It's just like when you're casting a film and you have like, you have one actor who's of this type and you have someone come in and you love them, you cast them. And then you have someone else come in that maybe you're like, oh my God, I love them maybe even more. But that's the only role like that in the film. So it doesn't right. like then put it. them on your roster and you apply again next year, so on and so forth. So that does yeah. happen a lot. So let's backtrack a little bit. In our previous conversation, you had said that you were, well, even just now you said you had been researching a lot of these production companies, even six months in advance. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about your preparation for that? What were you doing to research them? What kind of things were you looking for? What kind of things were you making note of? Well, it's it's too difficult because when you register for AFM, they give you what's called the AFM registry, which is every company that's going to be at AFM. So it's like, it shortlists your research by a lot. I will say there's still probably... 200 companies or something that you have not spoken with or what like just there's 200 that attend oh i see okay so you could you could research like any of them but a lot of a lot of afm is it's really interesting but a lot of afm is like production companies that come with incentives or it'll literally be like the head of the film commission of jordan the country will come or like kenya and they'll have film incentives and so they try to negotiate with people who have just signed projects to shoot in different, more exotic places because of how good the tax mm. incentives are. So the whole like it's always it's usually the top floor. The whole top floor is all in exposition. It's like AFM Expo and it's all people from different film commissions trying to give you deals and you can like negotiate with them then and there. You walk up to them and say like, oh, I need a cabin in a forest and I need an open field. I need two apartments. I need a place to have a party and I have 17 extra. We're like, okay, what's your timeline? Oh, we're shooting in February, March, and our budget is $500,000. Like, okay, great. What's your above the line? What's your below the line? You tell them, like, is it SAG? Is it not SAG? You tell them, and they're like, okay, well, we have a 50% tax rebate on anything over 500K if you shoot in Portland after March. Okay. And then you write that down or like have someone take notes. And then you go to another person and you say, Okay, well, Sheila from Portland Film Commission offered me 50% tax rebate on my above the line talent over 500K. We're shooting in March. I heard that you guys have similar rebates, but like, what can you do for me? Right. Like, oh, I know Sheila. She blah, 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 blah. And now I can do this. Right. It's, it's just like, it's just business, but it's, it's just I find film. it very interesting that you can ask, what can you do for me? That it's not more, like, it seems like it's very much a, uh, in that case, a seller's market, not a buyer's market. Well, right? creativity is not something that can be bought. So the creativity is always coming from the seller. And that's why it's such a hot commodity, because especially like I find in my position, I'm definitely one of the only women there. And I'm definitely the youngest woman there at any given time. Mm -hmm. Always. Okay. Yeah. So there's a certain advantage. There's a lot of disadvantages, but there's a certain advantage to that, because if you know what you're talking sure. about and if you're aggressive, People are disarmed by it. They don't understand that like young people 
can, because we're the, we're the little indie filmmakers, we're the creative ones. So if I come in being like, here's our business plan, here are comparables, here's our research, here are my contacts, people are like, they don't know what to do with it other than to respond Answer. and give you an offer. Yeah. Like, oh, well, in that case, we do have yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So, and these were all things that you learned your first time around. This is, this is how prepared I need to be. This is, I need to know. I mean, just the, even that you say that I need to know what my above the line is going to cost, what my below the line is going to cost, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Well, it's crazy because I, I don't know at what point I learned each of these things, but over time you start to realize like, okay, this is what I need to know. And this is what I don't know. And I'd say a big recommendation is that you should try to get as many materials as you can from other people who you know have already done these things. Just get redacted contracts, pitch of... decks, ah, okay, anything, yeah. because that's what helped me understand. Because like, how do you learn what is industry acceptable in a side of the industry that you don't know? Like, there are lots of ways you can do that. You could work at a production company. You could be, you know, like you could work your way up as a talent agent, whatever, and get your hands on these contracts. Or how did you get you your could, hands on them? Yeah, networking. <laughs> networking, okay, networking, so just reaching network. out to people who you knew had had their film produced by a certain production company that you were um, interested in, or how did you do that? Well, like that would be an ideal scenario, but something that my partner and I live by is that no meeting is a wasted meeting. You don't yeah. know who has what or who knows who or who you're going to click with. You just don't know. So, so I think from the beginning... Because I'm an actor and he came up in the Duplass and HBO Max world as like a PA and a UPM. So he's a set person and he knows like infinite crew. So we both come in with like very different pools. But yeah, I couldn't tell you how many times we'll meet with someone who's like, oh, they're a PA, a friend of mine. But like, I think you would like them. We'll hire them on a set. So I'm like, let's have lunch with them. Great. Let's have lunch with them. We have lunch with them. We're talking, oh, we're going to AFM, blah, blah, blah. We're doing this. She's like, oh. I had a film that got bought at AFM or like I have a friend whose film got bought at AFM. I'm like, oh, what did they bring? Like, oh, sure. I'll email it to you. Great. Fantastic. And so you can look at yeah. stuff. So it's really like it's like that. And, and something really important is you have to know what you're asking for. Like if you want to go to a meeting with somebody and you're like, oh, have you ever been to the AFM or have you ever like had a the thing that we're looking at right now and trying to figure out right now is like, oh, have you ever had a distribution contract for like an independent territory that you negotiated ahead of time for a presale. Have you ever done that? Like, oh, yes, I did this back when I worked at WME. And then they'll give you a redacted contract. It's just like narrowing in on here's what I know I want to do. Here's how I think I get there. And then each time you run into something, OK, how can I get this information and who can I get it from? And once I have it, how can I make sure that it's correct? And that's a mixture of like networking, taking stuff, changing it for yourself finding someone who's a lawyer, finding someone who knows a lawyer and <laughs> constantly circulating in that pool. Yeah. To get yeah, your I love it. Right. And it, it seems like, I mean, this is all kind of skills and knowledge that you could apply to the Berlinale, to Cannes, to Sundance. Oh, you know? yeah. Although I don't think Sundance has a market, but to all or to uh, uh, Toronto, right? To the yeah. Toronto International Film Festival. So all the major market film festivals, it seems like you could apply the same kind of skills, right? They may have, yeah. like, I know Khan yeah. has sort of a, a low bar. You have to not just pay, I think it's 350 euros, so probably about $400. But you also, I think, had to have been a producer on two or three short films, something, which is also a, a pretty low bar because most, 
Yeah. I mean, I think Con is the largest one. Enough, you could, yeah. Con's the largest one. We're only just now learning about like, there's one in Dubai, there's one in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny because this world of producers or independent producers for sure, it's very small. So, like, it was so weird this time around at AFM, but like, we knew people. I mean, you people from like different avenues, but like we got invited to some parties. And as you learn, like at AFM, like most of the business is conducted at dinners and at parties because no one actually no one who's actually buying stuff is going to the conference. But this is kind of like several stages into AFM because the first time you go, you need to go to the conference. You need to like see what's going on. They do all these talks and stuff. And like I didn't attend any this year where I attend like five or six last year and found them to be like middlingly helpful. But okay, I definitely do want to get into that afterwards. But yeah, go on. Sure. Um, oh, but like, yeah, a lot of the business is taking place in other places offsite. And then some bigger production companies won't even list where they are. You have to have oh, had wow. meetings that are scheduled okay. ahead of time. Like A24 was there, but we think they weren't actually there because we didn't ever meet a single person from A24. And like where they said they were, they weren't. So it, there okay. is some like weirdness as well, which is so right. stupid. But just sort of, it's like that elusive club. They're at, like at the playing back of the games. alley, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you have to have a password to get in. So, I, it's all so fascinating, right? It's this whole other world. Is AFM attached to a festival or no? No. No. Okay, no. it's not like Colin or Bellinale or or Toronto. Yeah, it's just that... a straight up film conference. That's it. Okay. Okay. So I know you were able to schedule two meetings in three days, which is, Mm -hmm. that's mind boggling. I mean, that's really intense. So tell me about that. How how did you organize all of those meetings? And any tips for keeping it straight? Well, we made a calendar. We made like a schedule. And this is all just stuff we did on the fly, which looking back, I'm like, this is so crazy. But Yeah, we worked on that probably five or six hours a day, like a day for three months. And at the same time, we shot four short films and organized a film festival. So it's not all we were doing. But in like early September, I was like, oh, this is this is what we need to focus on. And like we need to work on it every single day, because if we do it, I know that we'll be putting ourselves at least at somewhat of an advantage for sure compared to last year yeah so how many other people do you think were kind of running around the festival as independent producers like you were what there were there were yeah yeah there were um you get such a weird mixture of people at afm because like i was saying so the way that they do it is like upstairs in all the hotel rooms is mostly people who are buying finished products. And they're from like your gravitas, your like smaller, a lot of horror. Like usually every year you can kind of tell what the general vibe is of what people are buying from like all mm. the posters they're putting out, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like yeah. there's like a feeling every year. In the first couple of days people go, they're like, okay, this is what's hot. This is what you can sell off of your slate. And here's the things that they're avoiding, which it's never that shocking. They're always kind of avoiding like drama and comedy. And they're always kind of buying horror, thriller, things with sex. Like this is right. a pretty common. Can, like, yeah. 
because it's an international market. And I think that's what's hard for a lot of people to understand because I, I'm an American filmmaker. We don't usually, we're not that tuned into what's going on internationally. And even mm-hmm. if we are, we're just like assuming, oh, they watch American movies, which they do. But it's like, what about American movies do foreign countries enjoy? And how are you going to find that out? Which obviously that's difficult to find out. But that's that's something it's not that difficult to, to find out. There are there are you know film markets everywhere around the world. I know in Germany sure. they're very much aware of you know what people are watching. It's it's just like Dateline or anything else for you know in America. There there are those same kinds of magazines and websites and you know reporters keeping track of what's selling. Right. And you're right. In Germany, I know for sure it's also horror, sex, although comedy sells here, although got to love that German sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of saying that comedy never really salt. sells because it's unique in every single culture. So it's hard yeah. to make an international comedy. That's the yeah. main reason I say that. Yeah. 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 So true. So let's see. I was going to ask you about your pitch deck, but I know you don't have that available. I know. So- I don't have it. That's but, okay. That's okay. Okay. What would be your number one piece of advice for someone attending AFM for the first time? Is there anything that they should watch out for? Well, what like what are they there for? Are they an actor? Are they a producer? Are they a filmmaker? Are they Let's all of those Let's assume things? that they are an actor who's producing. Okay. Or an actor who's a screenwriter. Yeah, let's call it a filmmaker because that, you know, it's part of the filmmaking team. Yeah. I'd say no matter what you're going for go with something Mm -hmm. and when I say something like even if you haven't written the feature to your short that you just produced that you starred in say that it's a proof of concept because even if you just say that it's a proof of concept then someone might be like oh send me the scripts so then it'll light a fire for you to finish the scripts and then you'll have somewhere to send it right so like get yourself because it's a buyer's it's I mean it's a seller's market you're right but like it is people are there to buy films ultimately that's what they're there for so if you don't have a film to sell what do you have to offer it's like oh well I have this short that did really well in the festival circuit and it's a, it's going to be a feature and then maybe they'll tell you okay great come back next year with a pitch deck or come back next year with a treatment or something that I, I have or here's my email and definitely bring business cards I think people in my generation don't use business cards because why would we? It's dumb. But older people still use business cards. So yeah. you need to bring your business cards because if you don't, it shows that you don't understand who it is you're trying to do business with. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So always have a QR code to your website or to whatever mm-hmm. materials you have if you don't have a website or it's your Instagram. Whatever you feel like represents you best in a short form, put that QR code to that. Put your info mm-hmm. and then just put a general like, whatever you're doing and if it's just you just put like your headshot actor or put like multiple headshots put your reps information whatever it is that you think represents you as an actor or is your strongest thing put that on for sure yeah I love that that's such a good piece of advice and frankly yeah it's true I know that you know uh, these days business cards are not really the thing but there's such a great way to hand someone something quickly they're not having to take time to type it into their phone or whatever it is Mm -hmm. or do the bump or, you know, whatever it is, you just hand it to them. And then they also have like a, a physical reference because once your contact details are in the phone, frankly, they get lost in the jumble of all their other contacts. I know. So when they have a picture, they can pull that out and say, oh, oh yeah. I remember I had that conversation with Abby about blah, 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 blah. She's that actress who's producing her first feature film. Right. You know, yeah. it's, it's like Something a memory that- jog. 
my executive producer on the documentary does that I think is so smart, but like it's a, it takes a lot of courage. Not everyone's going to do that, but she has like her QR code on her phone and it will automatically put her contact onto your phone. And then she'll take a selfie with you and make it the contact photo. And she does love this with everybody that. that we meet. So every person that meets her remembers her because she did that. Also because she's in a photo with them. Yeah. So she's she's super smart. I mean, I, I did it a couple times, but sometimes I'm like, I don't have the courage to do that right now. But it's a, it's a good tactic. So, but, but you know what? Honestly, people... Abby, I am always saying you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that seems like a really good way to get used to being uncomfortable. Oh, it is. It is uncomfortable. These, like okay, six-year-old men be like, can I take a selfie with you? And they're like, no, please no. Nobody's going to say no. You're adorable. No. Who would say no? Nobody's going to say no, but they do. there's always this pause like, uh, uh, oh, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. And they're in the yeah, back yeah, like, yeah. It does. It does make me laugh. Some of these people are just so interesting. Yeah. So now that you've been twice to AFM, you've got a ton of experience. You learned a ton. How are you planning to tackle AFM next time around? Is there anything that you would do differently? Well, I think we did it. We did pretty successfully this last time. I will say that next time, because you, you have to do each one a different way to be able to get to the point that I'm hoping will be next year, because I'm hoping we'll have a project to sell. And if you have a project to sell, it's an entirely different world because you're sending screeners ahead of time and trailers, and then you're meeting oh, you're, with more You're hoping buyers. you'll have a finished film to sell, right. not just a, a, a pitch or a project. Right. Or, right. right. Okay. Yeah. Got so it. having a finished product to sell is going to be a whole different journey that a whole I'm, different not, game. I, I'm not as familiar with. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'll have yeah. to have you back on the podcast next year. Yeah, seriously. To hear how that goes. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears just a little bit and now kind of tackle AFM from the actor's perspective. Okay. So I know you're saying that actors shouldn't go to AFM without anything. But, I mean, I think most of us have, well, I don't know. I, I know I certainly have, you know, at least five projects that I could potentially pitch, right? Right. But the thing is, is, you know, they're all kind of projects that I would like to work in. So, right. What? I guess I guess the short answer to this question of should they be looking for casting opportunities at AFM is no, they should not. Yeah, what they I should be doing no. is no. OK. Yeah. So what they should be doing is is networking with producers and directors instead talking about the projects that they're trying to pitch right like it's interesting because i don't want to dissuade people from from going because they could get something from it but i never ever introduced myself or talked about myself as an actor interesting unfortunately i find that because afm is still very much as my producing partner and i say all the time it's like run by the old guard it's very much people who have been producing in hollywood for 50 years and like big Big companies go to that. I mean, this year was really interesting because it was during the strike. So, so many big companies weren't allowed to go. Like your Netflixes, oh, your wow. Hulus, like your MGMs, they were not, they were all struck. So they were not, they were not allowed to attend. So it was wow. really an interesting opportunity for smaller companies to get bigger deals, which was cool. But yeah. usually when you go in, like the assumption is that either you're trying to sell me a film you've already made or you have six films in various stages of development 
that you're going to be able to sell me at some point. So a lot of the conversations we had this year were people looking at us and being like, okay, these people are young, but they clearly have stuff that they're going to make. So do I want to be involved or not? I think a good a good rule is always like make people think that the bus is leaving and the bus will reach the destination whether or not they get on and then really try to show them that it's comfortable in there and they really want to get on. But the bus yeah. is going to leave regardless. Like we don't need you. Right. You're not the driver. Like we're the drivers. You can sit in the right. back. It's kind of right. that mentality, which I think is true too. The more you say you're going to do something, then you actually do it. So just keep saying it. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. The more you put that out there, the more you're kind of sending out those accountability vibes, right? Which is yeah, really important. But so I get it. Okay, it's it's tough. I think. I mean, especially me. I went in with one project that I wanted to act in, and the the responses on that are always like, "Oh, Hmm. unless unless you're an actor, yeah, unless you're an actor that would bring valuation to the project, like." And the stuff that they're going to ask is the most menial stuff in the world. They're going to ask, what's your star meter on IMDb? Who's your agent? What's the last two projects you were in? What streaming services are they? Like, they're going to ask stuff like that. And if you're like a newer actor like I am, I'm going to be like, well, I don't have any movies on streaming right now. But I have like this, which I wasn't pitching myself as an actor, but I've done a bunch of national commercials. So I've at least I've had a ton of time on like really big sets and I've money as an actor or whatever but that's like my one and I worked with some bigger directors through commercials right. so you can say oh I worked with so-and-so like, oh okay they don't really care in what domain but if you can right. give a name that they you don't recognize, have to imagine that it was a commercial yeah right. they will like yeah that. yeah yeah so that that's sense. so it's maybe hard. it makes more sense for an actor to actually have a finished film Regardless of, of if that film costs 30000 to produce or 300000 to produce or $3 million to produce, whatever. But if you're going with a finished film and then trying to sell that because that's the product, right? Either you like it or you don't. And then it doesn't really matter because you're not trying to attach anyone to it anymore. It's done. Yeah. I mean, you can't sell a short. And I'm like, if you're an actor who created a feature, that's really awesome. And then you should go. But you should go as a producer, not as an actor. Interesting. Yeah. So not I, I even think to... bottom line is like, don't go as an actor. You can go. You as an actor can go, but go as a filmmaker. Right. Which I think I'm so, learning. But how, how would so you many... approach that then if you are an actor who has a film, a pitch, say, in, in the pitch stage? that you want to get produced, you want to find financing for, but you also have created this project so that you can use it as a vehicle to have a, a you know, a, a big performance in. I think this is the, this is the difference though of what I see of who's successful and who's not is every person I meet has an idea. They want to make something, they want to be in something, they have a pitch, exactly. but it's like, are you actually going to produce that project? Because people are not continuing to like give you money. That's not how it works. Like there, are, everyone there has a good idea. Everyone there is interesting. They've all had an interesting life story. But it's like, how are, show me that you know how to make it, whether or not I'm involved. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen because you know how to make projects, whether or not you do. Or like you've at least done enough research to make it seem like you know how to make projects. So yeah. that when I come in and you're pitching to me and I, then I start to like you, and I'm like, okay, well, she's an actor. She probably attached herself to this. 
But she did do this other project, and that's really interesting to me. And she clearly understands where this film would market, and she clearly understands the market of it. So obviously she's a producer. So I'm trying to understand, like, where would I fit in? And you, who's researched me ahead of time, is like, oh, your last movie, Jurassic World, did really well in Taiwan because of this actor. And we're actually thinking about getting them attached because my agent's really good friends with that casting director who works with them all the time. So we already kind of have an in with that actor. And we know that they're going to bring $5 million to Japan. And I'll be like, that's true. That's interesting. Send me the pitch deck. And then you follow up email and you always want to try to get on another call, not just like sending them stuff. Right. Um, but that's my advice. Like, if you're just an actor with ideas, awesome. Develop them. Develop them, develop them, develop them. And pitch to as many people as you can get your hands on, your friends, your acting teacher, your agents, whoever, and get the pitch really articulate. Figure out where the holes are. And then whoever you pitch to, know why you're pitching to them and where do they fit in so that you can tailor your pitch to actually get something Maybe you're not yeah. looking for something. Maybe you're just looking for to see if you like them, which is super valid because I've had that problem. Because, again, like you're getting into business with these people. You need to like them. You have to want Absolutely. to work with them. It's a two way yeah. street. Like sure. if they like you, great. They want to give you money. Awesome. Do you want money from them? Like, yeah, you have to get contracts to with these people. Yeah, yeah you're beholden to them. What are they yeah. taking from you? Yeah, these are all things that. I don't think are just figured out beforehand. They're figured out while it's happening. But I think until yeah. you're successful, they will be figured out beforehand. Yeah. 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 So, okay. That's great. The, a ton of takeaways there. I just want to kind of recap because we, you've just, I mean, there's just so much information that you're, you're giving right now. So let's try and just distill it down to, to the most important things. So from what I've understood is, you know, if you're an actor, now let me just ask you one more thing before I, I sort of, put this all together what do you think about going with a short film saying this is a proof of concept um okay like i said before you can do that but you should still be going as a filmmaker or a producer okay so just stay away from saying i'm an actor i really think so, so. This and is it's a, it's a hard concept. sell if you're like the lead actor in it it's going to be a hard sell and i i don't agree with it i, I think that it's terrible the way they treat actors but the general consensus of so many producers that I've since become friends with and who have like attached themselves to our projects is they'll be like, oh my gosh, the second day I was there, this actor came up to me and was like trying to pitch me something. And I was so annoyed. Like that's the general, that's the general oh, God. consensus. And I do not agree with it. And like, I'm an actor. Yeah. I've been an actress since I was a little kid. But yeah. I think the thing that's that's the differentiation I want to make here is like I identify as a producer. I love producing and producing is not always creative. I think in many ways it is, but it's not creative in the same way like acting. It's, it's not truly right. like oh, wh whatever we want to do. It's OK, let's get on this Excel sheet for six hours, figure out what's going on, which I'm a science person. So I love that stuff, too. I think it's, I love numbers. I love I love things that are concrete. But if you're not a producer, don't say that you're a producer because then you're going to get taken to a different category. But if you're an actor who has a film you want to make, say that you're a filmmaker. It's like filmmaker is this like middle ground of like producers, the numbers person who's going to make this thing happen from a business perspective. Actor is the person right. that the producer wants to attach six weeks before we shoot. We don't want to hear from you beforehand. Filmmaker is the person that's creative and they might have been an actor. They might sometimes be a producer, but they do know how to make stuff. They might be a little bit more from the creative side, but like 
there are a lot of filmmakers who do know the business side and we're not going to assume that you don't versus if you're an actor everyone assumes that you don't okay, okay. which is so, so just the big takeaway but... is here do not mention that you're an actor it may come up they may see it may you acting up. when you show yes. your proof of concept but do yes. not say you're an actor say you're a filmmaker so that you can be taken seriously yeah, I, I find that's this, the takeaway, but yeah, that is the takeaway. That is, the I take- hate that. And that's, that's a, the you know what? Frankly, fine. So what? You know, this is another hat that we have to wear, and it's it's okay. It's not like we're not already wearing the hat of a filmmaker if we're making films, right? So we're already right. doing it. Just because I identify mostly with being an actor as opposed to mostly with being a filmmaker doesn't make I'm not comfortable shining up that facet of my personality and turning that to the light and saying, hey, I'm a filmmaker. No, it's totally true. And I think another thing is like, if you are just an actor, that's awesome. And like, if you really are just like, I want to be in people's projects, I want to be an actor. I think the smart thing for an actor to do is to befriend people who are actually producers and pitch yourself, get into those circles and like, So I soft pitch all the time to my actor's friends and I attach actor friends to stuff all the time. Even if I'm asking them like, hey, like you were in Pretty Little Liars. Can I just put you on my pitch deck, even if you're not going to be in the show? And then like if it is picked up, I'll give you an LOI and I'll actually put you in the show. That's how actors, you should try to find people who are in young producer positions who are looking for actors to grow with. And whether or not you get onto their projects, I'll go into that room and I'll be like, oh yeah, this person. And they'll be like, oh wow she'd be great for something. I, I would love her contact information. And she's my best friend. So I'm like, of course, here's her card. Take her contact information because it's a mutual thing. So right. if you can't yourself get into the room because you don't want to be a producer or like you're, you don't want to do this stuff to get into that world, find me, find Connor, find somebody in our position who you can be like, here's me as an actor. Here's my skill set. I love your, I'd love to read one of your scripts. Like people always want to yeah. be asked for their stuff. I'd love to read one of your scripts. I'd love to see where I fit in. And like, let's get a lunch. Let's have a call. Let's do something. And then I'll get to like you. And then, I mean, I write a lot of scripts too. I'll write a script like, oh, you know what? That one girl I met six months ago, she'd be great for this day player role. And then I just had this other film come out and now I'm like, just get on someone's roster. I think that's a great way for actors to go because I mean, I have a bunch of agents too and it's the same thing. But I'm like, I think a lot of these deals and a lot of these relationships I can make for myself. And then when push comes to shove, I love my agents to handle all the contracts because remember, that's yes. their job. They take 10 yeah. percent. So 90 percent of the job is yours. So right. what's what's Absolutely. the 90 percent that you're doing that, please? <laughs> this, I'm okay. always saying this. Say it it's again. It's true. Agents take 10 percent. So they should do 10 percent of the work. 90 percent of the work should be on you. And when I say the work, I mean, obviously, yeah. you're working on your craft. You're working on classes. You're doing whatever you can for your materials to be great. But you're also finding people who make the films that you want to be in so badly and you're attempting to create relationships with them. The first yeah. thing my current reps asked me when I signed on with them was, which casting directors do you have relationships with? Yeah. And I pulled up my Excel sheet of every job I've ever booked and every audition or callback I've ever gotten and said, well, statistically, 75% of the time, this casting director will give me a callback. Like, I love, I went to high school with her. And then like automatically, you're giving yourself a chance to get in with them. It's like that's approaching acting from a producer's standpoint. Like, what are the numbers and where's the data these people cannot argue with? Because then they can just say no, but they won't have said no because you're not the right fit because you know that you are. Yeah. And you know what the hell you're talking about. I think Mm -hmm. just too many actors just are like, 
I cannot tell you how many conversations I have with actors and they're like, I want better roles. I want better auditions. I'm like, well, how do you feel about your showreel material? Well, yeah, I'm still waiting and I'm still doing this and I'm still doing that. And it's not as good as it could be. And da, da, da. I was like, huh, babe, this is a visual business. Nobody's going to take mm -hmm. your word for it that you deserve to be in a high caliber project. If you can't show it, you need to show it. And whether you are just friends with some filmmakers who shot some awesome scenes for you, it doesn't matter. It just needs to look amazing and yeah. show off your talent, of course. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Love all of that, Abby. Um, <laughs> let's switch gears a little bit because I know that you also did fundraising, which I think is just an amazing way to network. So yeah. how, how do you feel about that? Which, which one do you think as an actor was more helpful? Or which cap, maybe I should ask, were you wearing when you were doing your fundraising? For sure, producer. Producer. Yeah. But also, like, filmmaker. I, I mean, I struggle with that. I struggle with that because when I run these, like, bigger events, you're, you're like a, what's the right word? You're a festival host. You're a host, basically. It's like, you're like Ryan Seacrest, kind of. You have to, like, walk <laughs> around the room and, like, remember right. everybody who's there. Remember all the email chains you've had ahead of time talking to them. And it's like, oh, so-and-so congrats on your film at Sundance. Like, how's your nephew? <laughs> and then have a little conversation, blah, 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 blah. And then go talk to right. someone else and then go sit back down and maybe your film is playing. And then people are like, oh my God, she's also, oh my God. And then afterwards, you have to maybe switch hats. I, I get really uncomfortable when people watch my work in front of me mm. because I know they're going to then come talk to me about it. And I'm trying to like work on that because that's obviously part of something that happens. But when you identify yourself as like, the MC of this event or the person who organized it, people then don't expect you to also be the person who's like in the event. And right. then you feel like, am I narcissistic? Like, I hate this so much. But also, no. like, then you have to think about all the people who are involved in the projects. No, like, you're highlighting that gaffer's work and like that PA's work exactly. and that makeup artist and that actor. Like, these people, the project is the people. And you just happen to be the person who like led them. And now you're right. showing their the work because. That. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're the face of it. And like now they deserve recognition, too. So whenever I get nervous like that, I always try to reframe it to be like, OK, well, people are also watching for like, yeah, the uncle of the, the gaffer is here and he just really wants to see his work and he doesn't really care about right. you. So just right. relax. Right. Right. Absolutely. No, it's so true. I'm uh, I know a lot of people really have. Uh, it's hard for them to reach out on social media. It's hard for them. They don't know. They feel like every time they're making a post about them, some people have no problem with this. If you look at their social media page, it's just picture after picture of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. In different poses. Fine, great, but I'm not comfortable with that. And I know a lot of other actors are also not necessarily comfortable with that. But there's one thing that always has helped me with that, and that's hope. Help one person every day. So how you help them, that's on you. You lead with whatever your strength is, whether it's wit or motivation or inspiration or charm or support or being funny or whatever it is, right? So when you are saying, for instance, you know, here's a shot, you know, where you can just see where this gaffer's work has come to light, get that, you know, whatever, right? So a little pun thrown in there and throw their name out and big shout out to, you know, yeah. 
Susie Q, who was the gaffer on XYZ Project, you know, because she made me look amazing with her lighting, right? Or something yeah. like that. And of course, then you have to shout out the DOP and then the director and everybody else. But you may be the face of that picture, but you're not saying everybody look at me. You're saying everybody look at this. This is what's great. This is exactly. where you should be focusing on. And in, in so doing, you're giving somebody else uh, a pat on the back, a leg up, a uh, acknowledgement. That's all we ever want is to be acknowledged for things that we do, especially for the people who work behind the scenes. So I think that that's really, really good advice. Yeah. And yeah. I've learned a lot of that from my producing partner because he's a, he's been a crew person for like Who is years. your producing partner? You mentioned him a thousand times yeah. without saying his name. So his name is Connor Angus, and he's currently in South Carolina with his family, but he is so fantastic. And for anyone who follows us on social media, he makes all these like short film reels that have tons of them are viral and tons of people reach out to him. He does like beautiful editing, beautiful VO. He's he's just super dialed in on the indie film world and very film like filmmaker focused, which I think is so fantastic. So I'm like, I'm very creative, obviously actor, but I'm also super business minded and can be quite like strict on that because that's how deals get done and he's yeah. very like people oriented and makes people feel welcome and comfortable and he's so dialed into the filmmaker world that he knows every reference anyone's gonna make he knows any director so it's like having both halves of that and to your earlier point on like struggling to reach out and stuff on social media um connor and i all the time we take calls with young filmmakers or any like anyone, any filmmaker, anyone who feels like they're in their early stages of their career. Because so are we. I'll be, Abby, we just think about to... it. That's how we met on Threads exactly. just recently. That's how we met. Right. And I, yeah. I love to do that. It's one of my favorite things to do. So, yeah, we're always no, open I, and available to people. Yeah. I think that's so great. Yeah. Because I had just put a call out saying, hey, I'm looking for interesting people to interview. And you were like, hey, I've got my or no. It was the other way you said you were doing you had just uh, uh Putting together oh yeah, I said I was in pre-pro for the feature, and that was like my yeah. first threads because one of my actor friends was like, "It was mine too." Threads. Yeah, and I was like, oh. "Because threads wasn't available in Europe before." That's right. That's yeah. right. And it's yeah. the algorithm on threads is like really good because it actually it connects is. you to the people you want to be connected to. Actually, yeah. Which I and highly recommend of... people to get on threads. Absolutely, leave sure. X and go to Threads and go to Threads. Yeah, also like for sure, so many, for sure, like female so, filmmakers on. Them. But anyway, let's backtrack a little bit. I want to talk sure. about finding a perfect production partner, as you have in Connor. Tell me a yeah. little bit about how that relationship came about. So when I was producing my very first short film, which I started in December of 2021, so two years ago, um, I had this idea. And my main idea behind the whole thing was I wanted to understand how a project worked from the ground up to when it's finished. That's what I wanted. And I knew it would take about a year. And I was like, I know, I know that I don't know this stuff. I need somebody who's at least done it a couple times, but not too many times. You want somebody who's like a similar, right. but like a little more experienced. So yeah. I was in my acting class and I announced that like, I'm going to do this project with like, obviously no foresight of how or when, or, but that doesn't matter. Cause I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this project. And then one of my actor friends came up to, and I said, I was like, I'm looking for a producer to ask. And then one of my acting friends at the time came up to me and he was like, oh, a producer on a project I was just doing, he just left and he just finished working with us. Like, you guys should get lunch. I was like, okay, sure. So I got lunch with this guy 
who immediately I liked because he was just super relaxed and he wasn't like asking me for anything. He was just kind of, what do you, what do you trying to do? Like just, just relaxed. And so I explained to him what I now understand is producing, but I was like, I want to know who to hire and when I want to know where to find those people. I want to know how much it costs to shoot, how many days I'm expected to shoot like pages per day. I want to know where a short film goes, like how short film festivals work. I want to know what I told him in a year from now, I want to be able to explain to someone else how you make a short film. That's what I want. He was like, so you want to produce a short? I was like, I guess that's what I want to do. That's it. I guess that's it. He's like, well, I've produced several and I've had several get into some pretty good festivals. What's the log line? I'm like, well, never been asked that. And just like make something up. He's like, oh, it sounds interesting. What's the synopsis? I explained the whole story over like 45 minutes. We're having lunch. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So the long synopsis. Oh, yeah. Because like longer than the short film. Yeah. I don't know how to pitch anything. I was like, "Uh, this is what it's about. And I'm going off on all these tangents about how it's a true story. like All this stuff. And he's just like, "Uh uh-huh. And then. And then I'm like, and on top of that, I want to create some sort of event where people can come see it and we donate money to charity. He was yeah. like, interesting. Like, why do you want to do that? And then I explained the backstory behind why I wanted to do that. And I was like, and I want to organize it. And I want to be like, I want to organize it like it's a wedding. And I want us to be the people getting married and everyone attends. He's like, you are so odd. And then he agreed to it. <laughs> He agreed to it on the spot. And he was well, like, at least you didn't scare him away. I think a lot oh, of guys would go, you want us to what? How? It's so, he's like, you're just so odd. And then he's like, do you have the script? And I was like, it's not finished, but it will be by Monday. And it was like Thursday. I finished the entire script and like Sunday morning, I sent it to him. And I think that's when he first became aware of like me as a person and what my dynamic is. Yeah. Because if someone, if someone's like, oh, I need this done, I'll have it done like way before and it'll be finished to like the best of my ability I absolutely prioritize and I think I got that from like my academic upbringing but like at AFM when I told people I had written four features in the past year and a half and they're all finished I've done table reads for all of them I've had treatments on all of them and I've had like various whatever I've had like at least 20 people read each of them and like each one's on their like 50th draft because if I'm gonna create something where do you even have the time for that that's crazy I don't know. Well, I think more of what, because I've met a lot of writers now and I'm trying to see like, oh, like what's what I'm doing versus different from what's they're doing. And like what I, what I do, what I think is pretty unique is when I start writing something, it's like all I do. It's all I do. Okay. You I'll, just I'll write obsessed. for like, yeah. yeah, I'll write for like 10 or 12 hours a day with no, like I won't bring my phone. I won't have any music, like literally nothing. And I will just go somewhere and I will just write the whole thing and I won't read it. I never look at it. And then I'll do that for maybe a week. Then I'll read it once. And then I'll give myself notes. I'll redraft it. And then I'll send it to someone else. Like each of these features I wrote in like one to two weeks. Fucking incredible. I mean, I just know it from, I mean, I write features as well, right? But I mean, of course, yeah. I I don't lock myself away for hours and hours at a time. I do become obsessive. So I like that. I And I, I, I identify with that. But I just, you know, I'm a mom, I have a family, I have a husband, I have yeah. a dog. You know, I just, there's no way that I could just uninterrupted sit there for 12 hours. But the other thing is I reread. I always start with rereading and then it's it's a trap because as I'm doing it, I'm rewriting. And yeah. so then, right? And so it's, 
I think it's smart to just get it all, you know, the barf draft, the vomit draft, whatever, the shitty first yeah. draft, whatever you want to call it, right? Just get that down on the page and then go over it and see if it's sort yeah. of... Yeah, well, I think it's impossible to critique your own work if you're not looking at it from the whole thing. Like, if you're yeah. rereading it scene by scene, of course it's not going to make... And you're going to re... But, like, if you wrote that in the first place, there's a reason. And yeah. often, I've started to recently do, I'll write a first draft and I won't read it and I'll do, a, like, a casual table read. And it's really fun for me because I've never read it. So we'll do a casual wow. table read and I'll then I'll but then hearing That's it brave. from someone else's voice, you you can see from like the macro perspective, oh, that doesn't work. And this is why it doesn't work right. for the story. Because you're telling yeah. a story. So like I don't yeah. care if on page two of the dialogue, oh, maybe she should have said this. Your actor's gonna come in and they're gonna be like, Oh, I like this character so much. I'm gonna say this. Oh, that works even better. Great. Yeah. Like you don't True. have to be the only person True. who writes it. Yeah. Like yeah. It's going to keep getting written as you bring people in. So yeah. I always try to tell people, I'm like, yeah, you wrote the script. It's a great idea. And the script is like 20% of the movie. So just like, let's move to the next 20% in the next 20%. Yeah, it's a very important 20% of the movie. Though. It's you, super You can make important. a crappy movie out of a great script, but you cannot make a, a great movie out of a crappy script. So I think that's true. I think that's true. But also you can bring in, I like, I am so, i I think actors are so important to it that I've had actors totally change the shape of things just because I love them. And then I'm like, oh, this is kind of going in a different direction now. And if, I mean, it's a, it's a very common story, but like so many movies are really made from actors making choices that weren't even necessarily part of the script. Absolutely. And then it's like it becomes this whole different thing in the moment, which is why I yeah. think filmmaking is so exciting because it's yeah. really like improv. Uh, yeah. Yeah, when there's the space for that. When when people are brave enough to give the space to that, then then it's amazing. I love that as well. So I know we're coming. Oh, my God, we've been talking for an hour. I can't even believe it. I oh, had yeah, so many yeah. more questions for you. We may have to do a part two on this interview. Abby, I don't want to run this much over an hour. So first, tell us real quick about your feature film that you're working on and then where yeah. people can get a hold of you if they would like to, like follow you on Instagram or something. Totally. Yeah, we're in pre-production for the first feature that I'll be directing. That is one of my scripts that Connor and I are producing together. And we've been producing for like the past six months. And a psychological thriller, female-led, kind of somewhere in between Misery and Gone Girl. It's like a cabin, fun cabin thriller, very twisty, lots of interesting set pieces. Like it's going to be cool. And then we're associate producing on a bigger budget comedy in April that I'm actually acting in. So that's a new development that's really interesting but yeah. love it Producing love it and and where, where can people time. find you abby yeah so we're i would reach out on our entertainment instagram because that's probably the easiest we're at a2c underscore entertainment and it's the number two and okay. yeah we're super receptive to dms and like if we don't respond to a dm because we do get a lot of dms if we don't respond to a dm like comment on a photo because i always see those and then i myself i'm at Abby K. Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R, which is in the bio of our entertainment Instagram. So I think it's like the easiest place to go for everything. Perfect. Perfect. Abby, this has been such a pleasure, such a goldmine of information. You hey. are just a gift. I love talking to you. And I definitely, I'm not kidding. I want to do a part two on this interview because there's so many more things I wanted to get to about your fundraising and everything else. And of course, I want to talk to you again when you've produced your feature film, because I think that yes. you'll come back with another, another whole wealth of information. Definitely. That's fantastic for actors to, to be aware of, to know about. 
So thank you so, so much, Abby. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hey, I hope you all got as much out of that as I did. That was amazing. Thank you so much. I wish you all a very, very Christmas if you're listening to this before Christmas. If not, you have a wonderful day regardless of the year and the time of year. You stay your bold and beautiful selves, and I will see you next time.